This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. I am your host, Todd C. Slater, and you are tuned to News Talk 1010, Simply Real Estate. And here we are. It is Saturday. Has the market finally fallen apart in Vancouver? Is Toronto going to go through the roof? Are we going to be feeding more and more foreign investors into the Toronto market? A little later on in the hour, I have BNN anchor and host of House Money joining me, and it is Greg Bennell. And uh, Greg has been with BNN now for several years. He's always reporting on real estate. They've uh, decided to uh, have a show just started this week, and he'll be joining us a little bit later so we can talk about the Vancouver market, Toronto, and obviously his new hit show that's come out. But... How about we have a conversation about this? Because when I take a look at what's happening in the marketplace today, it just seems that the foreign buyer tax was actually initiated when the market had already started to cool in Vancouver. And the numbers aren't lying. Actually, the month of July was actually down in BC, down almost 20%. They're sitting in between 16 and 19%. The market had already fallen off. And I'm not talking prices, just simply talking volume. And on top of that, uh, it continued to decline into the uh, month of August and it ended up dropping to 26% off from the year before. So does that mean that the market really needed the foreign buyer tax? Right now, we know that our esteemed mayor, uh, Mr. Tory, has been saying that he wants to continue to let foreign buyers, obviously, into Toronto. We need their money. It's, it's important. So they're going to make sure that the study that they do in Ontario with Premier Wynne is going to be very well done. They're going to go in-depth to make sure that they uh, will have all the facts and figures prior to pulling the trigger on a foreign buyer tax. And again, it's one of those things I'm going to ask Craig Bennell, see what his take is on it. Quite frankly, I don't know if it's one of those things that we should be implementing right away. I think the fallout in BC, we need to find out if it's going to pop back up and if uh, if we're able to do it. So um, also, one of the uh, special guests that I'm going to have join me shortly is uh, Kathy Tomlinson, and she's an investigative reporter and who has just absolutely uncovered an interesting situation in the Vancouver market where people are making a bunch of money and not declaring taxes on it to the point where everybody's now flagging the CRA to tell them to do their job. So interesting enough, uh, Kathy is an award-winning uh, uh, investigative reporter, and we will be talking to her in a little while because, uh, again, big, big story out of Vancouver. How is it that foreign buyers and speculators are making so much money and not paying taxes on their flips? You know, it's one of those things. CRA says that you have to pay them, but for some reason, there's a group of people that are not. So we'll find out more about that a little bit later. Now, one of the things that we should be aware of, the sky is falling. It truly is. And now it's not talking about the market. We're talking about glass falling out of condominiums in Toronto. In fact, this week, right at Simcoe near Adelaide, again, a pane of glass fell to the ground on Wednesday, shattering all over the place from the 26th floor. You can imagine the speed and the impact that piece of glass had when and when it did hit the ground. And fortunately, nobody was injured because of it. Now, here's the thing, though. Now the building must undergo a safety review for the condominium. Now, here's the thing. 
as I've spoke to you before, we've talked about condominiums now for years and what can drive condominium fees up. These inspections aren't just them simply taking a look at three or four panes of, of glass. If done correctly, they're going to have to take a look at the entire building. So they have to hire somebody. They're going to have to turn around, and do pressure tests. They're going to have to make sure that they don't have any more loose panes of glass. This is going to become more a norm for buildings here in Toronto. And at 26 stories, and you put a some form of lift slash swing stage out there for people to be able to do this from, this is going to be very costly. Well, it's the condominium that's responsible for it because the builder is no longer part of it unless it's still going to follow un, fall under with a warranty. So what happens when your building becomes 10 years of age and you start having situations like this? It's all, it's all going to come out of your reserve fund. And your reserve fund is there to take care of issues, but not necessarily these, because these are not the ones that people will typically be able to forecast. So this is a tough one. And I think we're going to see in the future some condominiums that are going to get strapped for cash. And any if anything actually does happen as far as somebody getting injured or hurt, then we're going to watch the insurance rates for these condominiums go through the roof. So again, one of those things that we're going to keep our eyes on and we'll find out uh, you know, what the report actually says a little bit later. Also, Canada is, is uh, world third for home price increases. So do you know there's a couple of, uh, couple of other countries? The, uh, they're saying that puts Turkey at the top, 13.9%, uh, and New Zealand ahead of Canada. It's sitting at 122 and they're saying Canada's price increase is 10% if we do it over the entire country. Now, of course, us sitting here in Toronto, for those of you that are buying, you wish it was only 10% here in Toronto. Of course, we are seeing closer to 20 and 25% in some of the marketplaces. And if we take a look in the Maritimes, uh, again, they're actually going backwards. So their prices are not up. So it's really Toronto and Vancouver that have been driving the market. But the truth is, is that we're seeing a lot of the outer markets doing a little bit better. Things like Windsor, Chatham, uh, St. Catharines, uh, areas like London, Ontario, all of these marketplaces are starting to pick up some steam. When we talked to Ray Ferris, president of Aria a few weeks ago, he was mentioning that the outer markets seem to be sustaining a decent growth. In fact, multiple offers in marketplaces that have never heard of them before. So it's interesting to see what's happening over the next, uh, next few months and perhaps the next year, uh, what is going to happen to the market. Now, Canadian banks, of course, mortgage guidelines, for, uh, they say favor foreign home buyers. This is uh, one of the things that we're going to be talking to Kathy about. And why is it that they're favoring, you know, foreign buyers? Why are the Canadian banks doing this? It's interesting because there's a few banks there actually that are making it more difficult. They do not want foreign ownership. And so they're making it tougher for them to come in with the standard 20% down. So what they're doing is they're forcing the market up and saying 35% is what they're looking at. Hey, what do you think about this though? The idea of having a vacancy tax. Now, we've been talking about Vancouver for the last couple of years about the fact that people are just buying and leaving them vacant. And so now Vancouver's mayor proposed vacancy tax of 2%. Now, here's the thing though. The vacancy tax is actually going to be self-declared. So I'm going to talk later with Greg about this, but think about it. 
can you imagine you're sitting there and you know you're going to make some money on a property because you're going to be flipping it. So you're going to leave it vacant and then you're going to try to flip it. Are you really going to turn around and say, oh, by the way, Mr. Government, I agree I should pay you 2% on the value of my property because I left it vacant. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, why don't they turn around? And of course, I'm pretty sure that the BC government wastes money just like the Ontario government does. Why don't they turn around and put together a task force for this? I mean, does that not make sense? You're going to turn around to say to everybody, hey, you can self-regulate. Do you really think you're going to get the money that you, you are trying to? Because everybody's going to be honest, especially, you know, people that aren't even in the country, they own from abroad. They're not going to be sitting there looking at the, the survey that gets put on their door. Oh, by the way, is this property vacant? And the mail piles up, it goes in the garbage and they never get it. So really, when you think about it, does it make a lot of sense to self-regulate a 2% vacancy tax? But what about Toronto? Do you think we're running into the same problem? Do we have that many vacancies? Some people will say that, you know, they'll go by these condominiums and they drive by and an entire floor is not lit up and it never is lit up because it's owned by foreign buyers. So the question is, is should we do that here in Toronto? So is it going to be foreign, foreign tax? Meaning if you're going to buy, we're going to charge foreigners. And on top of that, if it's vacant, we're going to charge them as well. Is that going to be conducive for growth or are we going to finally slow the market down? What will? And that's a real question that, again, I can't answer. I don't know what will slow the market down, except for the fact that I think people are just getting sick and tired of the price increases. And so many people are actually staying put. They're saying, why bother move? You know what? I can't buy something else. So why am I going to bother moving? And this is where, when we talk to um, you know places like Build, they are doing exceptionally well because a lot of people are now renovating properties. It makes more sense. Fix up your property, put an addition on it. Why should you bother trying to move in a marketplace that is not going to be conducive for it? Because you may sell for a great price, but you're going to have to buy for a great price as well. And heard a lot of things in the in the wings that there are people out door knocking properties saying, hey, listen, tell you what, we're going to give you 20% over the value of your property. We're going to let you live here for two years. And then eventually we're going to close and you can move on. So a lot of the areas that have some of the, uh, you know, older, um, older homes, some of the people that are coming close to retirement, they're going to be able to take advantage of some of these buyers. But it's kind of still site-specific. Not every neighborhood is having this happen, but there are that select group here in Toronto that everybody wants to live in. Now, one of the things I'd just like to uh, kind of go off topic for a second, I want to thank everybody for tuning in every single week. Um, you know, we continue to have great success here at Simply Real Estate and, you know, being part of News Talk 1010, the radio station here is very important to us. And again, we just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. And, you know, uh, we want to have continued success and being able to provide you with the best information and breaking it down and making it simple for real estate. And again, one other thing that I also have to mention is coming up October 19th, is our last Simple Seminar of 2016. It's held out at the Mississauga Convention Center at 7 p.m. You can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register for that seminar today. And again, uh, we are going to break down investment real estate. Where is the best place to buy? Who should be the best tenant? And what can you do with leverage? Also, we're going to be talking about our new RRSP program. It's called the Simple RSP program, brought to you by the Simple Investor Community Trust and Butler Mortgage. 
and it's a great program for your RSPs. When we come back after the break, I'm going to be joined by Kathy Tomlinson from the Globe and Mail. She's an investigative reporter, and we're going to find out what is going on in Vancouver. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to have a special guest joining me now. It is Kathy Tomlinson, and she is an investigative reporter and has just recently done a few articles with the Globe and Mail, and uh, they have garnered huge success in the media, and they've really uncovered... I guess I'm not going to call it tax fraud, but it's definitely a fraud of some form where people are not paying taxes when they should, when they're actually flipping properties. And Kathy, uh, welcome to Simply Real Estate. Nice to be here. So, you know, you, uh, you've, been, uh, you've just been featured, you know, incredibly with the Globe and Mail with some of the articles that you've been writing. And interestingly enough, you know, a lot of people, you know, have taken notice that there are people out there that are flipping properties, uh, not paying taxes, and it, it looks like fraudulent, um, you know, actions. And maybe you can shed some light on your articles that you've been writing. Well, it certainly is hidden or obscured actions. That we can say for a fact. And uh, I do know that the tax authorities are looking into this as well as provincial regulators here in BC. Let me just explain as basically as I can how this works in this particular scenario. Uh, Kenny Gu is a local speculator here in Vancouver. He started out as a developer and then he started getting into flipping. What he does is he has contracts, private contracts written in Chinese language between himself and his clients. And those contracts stipulate that the client is essentially a a lender, lending private money to him for a down payment and property-related taxes, other expenses, to purchase a home for flipping. Uh, However, uh, Mr. Gu then goes to the bank, and through a mortgage broker or through his own means, he facilitates a mortgage on that property in the name of the uh, client, not in his own name. Uh, and then uh, the title is registered in the client's name as well, not his name. However, those, those private contracts that I talked about stipulate that he is the beneficial owner, so he has a significant stake in the property. Then when it's flipped, uh, the lender client gets what they put in back plus some interest, and Mr. Gu keeps the rest of the profit after all the bills are paid. Now, the problem with that tax-wise is uh, because his involvement is hidden, um, there's no obvious capital gain or whatever to, to see that has to, be, um, has to be collected on. In addition to that, uh, it appears that his clients, in at least some of the cases, are classifying these homes as their principal residences, even though they're not living in them. So, uh, in effect, when this, these houses are flipped, because they're under the names of these clients and these clients... Uh, classify them as principal residences, no tax is paid because, as you know, principal residence um, sales are are tax-free in Canada. Right, so there's no capital gains there. Um, Kathy, are we looking at a small amount of money or are we into the millions with something like this? Well, Mr. Gu's not alone. That's very clear to me because I've been looking into this uh, area for a year now and I've seen many, many, many transactions uh, of this nature where... You know, there are several people involved. I've characterized it as a network of people who are loosely connected or only connected because they're doing similar things. Um, so in Mr. Gu's case, 
I know that he is involved at some level or has been involved at some level with 36 properties, but I don't have information on a lot of those uh, properties, so I don't know exactly what happened. I do know that in, uh, in the case of six flips uh, in the last year, uh, the profit or the price increase collectively was $5 million from the price that the home was purchased uh, to the price that it was sold at. So that little snapshot, tiny snapshot, gives you some perspective of the money we're talking about. Wow. So it is in the millions. And of course, if we take a look at a tax dollar on capital gains on something like that, this is the government not collecting millions of dollars in taxes. Well, let me just point out too, this is not capital gains, I'm told by experts. This would just be business income. Deemed uh, business income, sure. Yes, because uh, Mr. Gu and and his lender clients as well, to a certain degree, are in the business of buying and flipping homes. That's their business. Right. So you're right. So no capital gains, but definitely income from this. Wow. Now, also, you were you were writing about the banks, how they are now favoring foreign buyers. It's just different for foreign buyers. They have a they have particular policies that have been written out to accommodate uh, foreign buyers and uh, newcomers to Canada who've been here less than five years, who have no credit history in Canada, and uh, for whom the banks can't rely on any of their uh, documents for income verification. Banks in Canada consider Canadian tax records to be the only only real reliable. Uh, uh, documentation to verify someone's income. You know, if you or I go to the bank for a mortgage, we have to produce our tax records. So, of course, foreigners and new immigrants can't do that. So the banks have specific policies that they've written out that give these groups exemptions from the rules for income verification. And that means that uh, unwittingly, I believe, unintentionally, at least in some of the cases that I've seen, the banks appear to be facilitating speculation in the real estate market. And they, I, I, at least in the case of Mr. Gu, uh, the banks aren't entirely aware of who's involved and what's really going on. And that's a real concern um, for under our anti-money laundering laws. The banks need to know who they're dealing with. And if they can't, the regulator has pointed this out quite, quite pointedly to the banks. If they don't know exactly where the person they're dealing with is exactly where and how that person is making their money, then they are potentially at risk for money laundering. So are we going to see an actual change in the process or do you think this is just going to continue on? Well, the regulator certainly has, uh, as I said, uh, put out a very strongly worded letter to the banks warning them to be more diligent about income verification. So we'll see where that goes. So far, the banks have not said that they're going to change their policies. Uh, they are defending them by essentially saying they they need to and they want to accommodate these customers. And they're saying that they do other things uh, to you know compensate for the lack of income verification. But to go back to the regulator, uh, that was its number one concern about uh, mortgage lending practices right now in Canada, that income verification is lacking, specifically with foreigners. By the way, I'd just like to uh, congratulate you because um, I understand that you are a contender with the best news reporting of the year. Um, oh, yes, And it's coming you. up, uh, I believe, in October 20th. Is that correct? Yes, so, thank you. Yes, listen. that's for earlier earlier reporting. Yeah, excellent. On uh, realtors. Yeah, well, thank you so much, uh, Kathy, for joining us today. We greatly appreciate your input, and definitely your articles are shedding a lot of light on things that we need to know. So thank you so much. 
You're welcome. I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. So, folks, that was Kathy, Kathy Tomlinson, and she was joining us. She's an investigative reporter for, with the Globe and Mail, and uh, excellent articles. You can go online and read them. They're worth reading because, again, uh, you know, pointing out some of the activities of people out there, uh, definitely unscrupulous and interesting to see what will happen in the future. When we come back right after this, we've got Greg Bennell from BNN, and he will be joining us. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. A little bit earlier, I was discussing uh, with you that we're going to have a special guest joining me today. Actually, he has been on the show previously. And fortunately for me, um, we've got uh, an incredible anchor and reporter. It's Greg Bennell from BNN, folks. And uh, Greg, welcome to the show. A pleasure to be here. So, Greg, you know, you've got a new show, um, basically House Money, that uh, has just launched this past week on BNN. Can you tell us a little bit about the show? Yeah, from the top down, when we started thinking about what we wanted to try to achieve for that half an hour once a week, I mean, bring mostly residential real estate stories to the BNN audience and hopefully the CTV audience as well, uh, but sort of from two factors. If a Canadian owns a home, more than likely it's their most important financial asset. So they have so much weighing on it. They want to know what's going to happen next, particularly in the Vancouver markets, the Toronto markets, and all the areas around it that just have heated up because people are looking at as the best investment they've had in the past 10 years. The markets have gone up, they've gone down, they've corrected. But when you look at the house and the stratospheric price appreciation, the main question becomes, can it be sustained? Can it keep moving forward like this? How many eggs should I put in that basket? Because it's very important. And then you get a whole other generation of millennials who are on the outside looking in, wondering, do I ever own a home? Can I ever afford to live in the market where I my work and I, and I play. So from both ends of the angles, the people who have that vested interest are very concerned about where we're headed. And the people who just want to get into the game in the first place are thinking, is it going to keep going up forever? Will I ever be able to get in? So it's sort of the, the, the place we want to start. And then underneath that, start telling the stories that sort of, sort of uh, bring some clarity to what's happening out there. Excellent. So your show, it's uh, it's airing on Tuesdays, is it? A Tuesdays at 5.30 Eastern Time, and then it gets repeated at 7 and 9 p.m. Eastern Time as well. Yeah. Excellent. Well, listen, there's always a good, uh, you know, a need for a good real estate show, and hence the reason why we hope most of our listeners are tuning in here, all obviously on Saturdays at 4 p.m. But, um, Greg, you know, you've been, you've been involved in some form of real estate for years now. You've been reporting on a lot of the hot topics that, you know, continue to come forward, and we see it all the time. You know, you you and I were talking a little off air, you know, it, it's unbelievable the amount of information that's out there on real estate, things that are changing. You know, we can talk about a lot about some of the hot topics, obviously, in the news today. And recently, you know, when uh, Mayor Tory was pushed a little, we always want for an investment here. But, you know, maybe you and I can have a chat uh, regarding uh, BC right now, Vancouver. You know, this is uh, this is now the uh, basically the second month that the, the tax has been implemented and the numbers are falling quite quite quickly right now in BC. What's your take on it? 
It's it's so interesting to see that in terms of home sales transactions, the number of homes changing hands, that they were actually coming off pretty dramatically. They're down about 19% in July, even before the tax came in. Then they plunged another 26% in August in the wake of the tax. I mean, you know, when it comes to real estate, so much of it is just about sort of the confidence that things are either going to remain the same. But I think we've changed that conversation in Vancouver and Toronto. The confidence now is that we're going to keep seeing these big price gains. So as soon as that confidence starts to erode, and, and I think that's what the tax did, at least in the short term. It's going to take a while to figure out how it all sort of plays out. But in the short term, the shock of it, because it was a surprise, it was sort of just dumped on people. Guess what? There's a 15% tax on a foreign purchase. Guess what? It starts in seven days. <laughs> people didn't know what to make of it. So that puts people at the sidelines. But if that confidence doesn't come back, and this is not just a blip for Vancouver, and people don't want to participate in that market anymore, it could get very interesting. For our, most of this year, we've been asking ourselves, what can actually undo the Vancouver market? Every time I talk to an economist or a realtor out there, what is it that can do it? They say, well, it's a big economic shop. It's joblessness. But in the end, if this actually is the thing, it was government policy. Yeah, and, and I agree with you there. And folks, if you're just tuning in, um, with me is BNN anchor Greg Bedell, and we're, we're talking real estate. Uh, Greg's got a new uh, show that he's hosting. It's uh, House Money. And Greg, you know, one of the things that uh, we've been following, and we've had uh, David Ebby. He is a housing critic uh, with the NDP party. He's joined us several times now. And one of the things for them is the, the, the collateral damage, actually, that's happening in the Vancouver, B.C. market right now is the fact that with a shocking seven-day you know, uh, release of this tax, a lot of people that had already sold their homes firm and then decided to go out and buy another home firm in anticipation that their house was done, foreign buyer turns around, buy it. They think, hey, money in the bank. They go out and they're thinking of downsizing because a lot of people now in the Vancouver market are. And so here they go. They go commit to a million dollar home after selling their home for two million, thinking, hey, I'm putting a million dollars in my pocket. Look at us. And now the foreign buyers are walking away from the deal. So now, they're in, the, in this you know, precarious position of owning two properties. And again, with now sales, not price, but just volume of sales dropping, some of these people are going to get caught. And when you look at it, where, where is there going to be a solution here? Are they going to have to maybe cut back on the tax? Do you think they're going to keep the pedal to the metal and keep this tax going for the next, you know, several years to keep that market, uh, you know, sustainable? Or where do you think we're, we're going to head with this? I don't know, they don't seem to want to back down. Like you said, these people are basically collateral damage of the tax, right? It's supposed to be this idea that this foreign money was coming from some industrialists abroad, didn't care about this market, just wanted to park the cash. That's who they're going after. But there's Canadian residents, BC, longtime Vancouver residents getting hit. I actually spoke to a woman on our debut show this week. She She's Vancouver born and raised. She's living in Britain right now with her British husband. They found out if they both want to put their names on the on the title of the house and take out a joint mortgage, they're going to have to pay uh, the foreign buyer tax on half of it. So that priced them out of the market. I was talking to the finance department uh, officials this week. They said, you know, we have no plan to back down on this. Premier Christy Clark has said, we are not backing down. They seem to have just taken a strong stance on it. It's curious, though, the, they didn't want to phase it in. They wanted to say, listen, we have this plan. It starts in a month. It starts in two months. Bam, it was just right out of the gate. They don't seem to want to back down. So you start wondering if the tax is going to be here for a while. Maybe the only thing that makes it disappear is the change in government. Well, that's one of the things, and I think uh, I think BC's been struggling a little with this in the first place. But more importantly, when they when they released the numbers, actually they did they did two releases of the numbers, and this is um, what David Abbey had had alluded to when I talked to him the last time was the fact they first said foreign buyers uh, they made up anywhere from three to eight percent of the purchases, then literally 
about uh, about a week after they release the tax, they come up with a new number saying 35%. (laughs) You know what? I was away when the tax came in. Everyone everyone didn't care about the foreign buyer for hand. It's not a big deal. When the tax came in, everyone freaked out. What are you doing? You're killing the market. Yeah. And and it was interesting because when they turn around and they say out of nowhere, and and again, they, I think what happened was they they caught, they got themselves caught. In other words, the numbers were fictitious that Mm -hmm. they originally launched. They were trying to mitigate, you know, the, the inference that the BC government was letting foreign buyers in, you know, you guys aren't controlling the marketplace when they're doing it. And then all of a sudden the numbers do come in and they say, listen, these are the numbers. We're going to have to release them to the public. We better get this tax in here now so we don't have mud on our face because somebody was going to find out that it's 35%. And at that point, you know, obviously the public would turn around and say, let's get rid of the government. So I think, I think what they believe they've done is mitigated the situation. I think they've probably created a bigger problem, but now I guess our next point should be, are we going to see this come to Toronto? Mayor John Tory was actually asked that point blank this week, said, listen, there's a new report. And there was a report from Sotheby's International Realty Canada saying they're starting to get the hint that interest in that kind of investment is going from Vancouver to Toronto. Because 15%, if you're talking about an expensive enough home, I know this is the extreme, but I looked at a house this week. It was the most expensive listing I could find in the country. It's in Vancouver, 42.8 million. 15% of that is $6.4 million. Like you might be rich and you might be cash insensitive, but if you don't have to pay all that extra six million by coming to Toronto, maybe you do. But John Tory said, you know what? We want foreign investment in this city. We're not going to bring in these kind of measures. He seems to be standing on the other side of the fence but a lot of people are warning. Toronto's been hot, no, no doubt about it. Like when you're seeing double-digit gains getting up to 20%, that's a hot market. We've been nowhere near as crazy as Vancouver. If yep. we're not going to do anything about it, and that's true, that money is looking in this direction, things could get pretty wild here. Yeah, and and this is one of the things that I think people have to, to have to recognize. The market to date has not been influenced as much by foreign buyers here in Toronto. I think we've had a very strong lead up. I think the fact that we've got, you know, low inventory, low interest rates have really been the driving force of the Toronto market. Probably some of the foreign buyers are buying some of the condominiums, but I think what we will see, um, you know, if if it's true and we start seeing some of the bigger numbers coming from people that were buying in Vancouver, I think what you'll do is you'll see the two and three million dollar homes are going to be the ones that are going to catch fire. I don't think the condominium market is going to be the place that they're going to go with. Um, so, you know what, I'm going to have you uh, stay put, stay with us. Um, folks, uh, I, I'm very fortunate to have uh, uh, BNN anchor uh, Greg Bennell joining me uh, today. And we're going to talk more about real estate here in the GTA. And I'm going to touch on a little bit of Urban Corp and what's going on with some rulings there. It's interesting what's uh, happening in the news. And we've got a lot more. So make sure you stay with us. And we will be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is BNN anchor Greg Bennell. And uh, he's also the host of House Money on BNN. Just started this Tuesday. Make sure you tune in and, and take a look. It's awesome. And uh, Greg, you know, just before the break, you and I were talking about Vancouver and Toronto. And perhaps is Toronto going to become the next Vancouver for foreign investment? But this week, interestingly enough, um, the idea of of self-declaring attacks was brought into <laughs> Vancouver. 2%. What do you think of that? 
The, yeah, the vacancy tax. There, there's so <laughs> much concern about money laundering in the market, of fraud. We had other reports that people keep flipping homes, investors, and, yep. and saying, oh, that was my principal residence. I don't need to pay a capital gains tax on that, and getting away with it. Sure. And, and now the solution from the Vancouver mayor is, you know, if a home is sitting vacant, we want to get it on the rental market because the market's very tight. Fair enough. So how do we do it? We bring in a vacant property tax of up to 2% if it's not your primary residence. Okay, fair enough again. Uh, how are we going to know? Well, people are going to self-declare. They're going to be honest. So much concern about in a market where you can make money, where you can print cash through real estate, at least up to this point you have, that people would just simply say, oh, I need to be honest here. That's actually my uh, secondary unit. I should rent that out. And, <laughs> and the, the, there'll be audits, they said. But at the same time, you're sure. talking about 10,800 homes, I think they said, are vacant in Vancouver. They don't know if all of those would fall under the category of what needs to be captured. But those that's a, that's a big number for an auditing crew to try to find out what Really, what's really going on? Well, when you think about the value, because if they're doing a value tax, and let's say the average property in Vancouver proper, even if we put it out, you know, a million dollars just as an average, and you look at that with uh, with a two percent tax on it, twenty thousand dollars, you know, multiply that by ten thousand. I mean, I'm pretty sure the the you know they're really hoping people are going to start declaring it. But you know, good point. That you know, the chances of everyone coming to the plate and declaring it, you know, what's going to stop them from saying, you know, they'll contact a family member, put a fictitious lease together, and the family member says, oh, yeah, but we're only there. We rent it, but we're only there one month a year. You know, I'm pretty sure that we're going to see some of that as well. I saw someone actually, uh, a little bit tongue in cheek, but maybe it's the new opportunity, the, the house sitter, the Vancouver house sitter. You could actually run a business to make it look like, don't worry, it's it's occupied. Yeah, there you go. Hey, listen, for those of you listening, and if you happen to uh, stream this out in Vancouver, make sure you uh, get your business started. That's a great one. Um, so lot, listen, lots of stuff going on in the, uh, in the markets today. Um, what do you think of a Toronto market? We're seeing some serious numbers. Are we going to keep going at this pace? There doesn't seem to be anything right now that can derail it because the Toronto economy is actually pretty strong. The wage growth has been pretty decent and interest rates are so low. You talk about foreign money and a lot of people think it's price insensitive so they don't care if that house is $2 million, $3 million. When you talk about the local buyer too, and I've actually had some uh, real estate developers, including the ones at Madame Homes, tell me this before. Even they're concerned that someone looks at a home, whether it's a new home or a resale, and they don't look at the eight hundred, the nine hundred, the $1.1 million dollar price tag that should make you sort of open your eyes and say, am I the kind of person who should own a house like this? Uh, they, uh, they look at the carrying cost. With interest rates so low and they don't seem to be moving anytime soon, they say, I can carry that from month to month. We had a report earlier this week basically saying that about a million Canadians, if we actually saw interest rates rise a full one percentage point, which would even get us started getting back to where we used to be in a normal rate, that a million Canadians would be in trouble, either through their home equity lines of credit or through their mortgages or other credit cards. So that starts to become a scary number. There's no sign right now that interest rates are on the move. Mm -hmm. But if one day, if we ever get back to a normal world and normal interest rates, there could be a lot of people left wondering how they're going to afford what they have. Well, this is, this is the thing. And this is why, you know, a lot of times if people are in this situation, you know, we try to advise people here at Simply Real Estate to you know, perhaps lock in your rates, you know, interest rates are low. There are people that are trying to surf the variables thinking that they're going to, you know, make a, make a little bit more money in their pocket. But ultimately in the end, what I think people do should do is take a look at your five-year window, understand what you're going to have to pay for the next five years. From that point, then do an adjustment to it, knowing that interest rates could be up 2%. You've got a new mortgage amount that you could renew though. And that's the thing. So your, your mortgage rate's going to, your actual mortgage is going to drop by about 15% over that five-year period. That's roughly the pay down about 3% annually. But if they do, they need to think about what that renewal is going to look like. And it's not, not fear-mongering, but 
you know, this interest rate low, I don't see it lasting forever. But we still have a few years left in it, I think. I think based based on the Canadian economy, I think we're still going to struggle for a while. I think it's, I agree with you. It's just prudence. I've owned, uh, I owned a condo. That was our first purchase, uh, God, 12, 13 years ago now. We've been in the house we're in now for almost a decade. And uh, the bank will offer you more money. They, they, oh, yeah, it's amazing. They, they, you, they actually said to me, you can buy more house than this. I said, I found the house I wanted. So I've always been sort of conservative that way. I've always locked in. Uh, some people who haven't been as conservative as me, who I know, friends and family in Toronto, they've made it a bit better than I have. But in the end, I feel like I can sleep at night. Well, that's part of it. You know, when, when people take on debt, I mean, in serious debt, because it is, when you're, when you're looking at purchasing, a, you know, a million-dollar property, some people are putting 20% down on it, an $800,000 mortgage, that's a big number. And so you have to you have to analyze, can you sleep at night? And that million-dollar property, how much can it go up? What if we return to the normal times mm-hmm. of, you know, increases around anywhere from 3 to 6%? You know, we had years of that, you know, stable increase. And that, it should normally be a little ahead of inflation, but realistically, it needs to be a stable number. People can do a lot more to their homes to to build equity. You know, you and I were talking and and you're doing a new kitchen, for instance. Yeah, because I'm actually at the point now where... It wasn't the forever home when we bought it, but the way the market is right now, I thought, you know what? It's going to be the next little while home. That's for sure. Let's just spruce spruce up what we have. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense because now your improvements you're doing inside the property, if you do decide to sell in the future, you will get money back. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've talked to a lot to some of the professionals out there. When people start talking about pools, I always say, look, you're throwing money away. If you're going (laughs) to, if you put a pool in your house, you're going to throw the money away. But things like kitchens and, and, and bathrooms and flooring can definitely improve the value of a property. And these are one of the things that, again, making a house not the forever home, but a lot, a lot longer home makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, in the news, we're, we're constantly seeing things such as developers that are struggling in a market such as Urban Corp. Yeah. And, you know, th- this week news came out where there's a group of people that had bought townhomes. The development ended up going bankrupt. And so they thought they were going to be walking away from it. They all got together and said, hey, listen, we'll pay more money for the townhome that we initially bought if you continue to build it. What do you think of that? That's just a sign of the state this market is in. Because if you think, if you put yourself in the position of that home buyer, it was two, three years ago, they give them $80,000. They think they're getting a home sooner rather than later. And they definitely didn't expect this. And then the home price appreciation just keeps going up. So even if you walked away from it and there was some worry for a while that they wouldn't get back the full 80,000, hasn't been completely resolved. But if you even do, you get it back three years later. Well, the home that I thought I was going to get for this price, it's up 30, 40% in price. And I didn't make any money on that $80,000. You left it a really hard position. So this seems like a really uh, sort of ingenious kind of idea. Like, listen, we will pay you more because if we just get our money back and we have to start all over again, we are at a huge disadvantage. There's an opportunity cost for those three years that they've lost. Yeah. And, you know, this happened actually to a much larger group of investors the year before, people that were buying their own condominiums with the same company. And what ended up happening is that they actually just... There was no way to buy it. They ended up getting their deposits back, but they originally had bought these units roughly around $400 a square foot, which now today's prices are sitting around $600. And so, you know, you take your you take your basic, you know, uh, call it a 600 square foot unit, if that's what you're going to call a one or two bedroom nowadays, and it's $120,000 more. And so for, the, for people like that, you know, they thought they were going to buy, and now they're paying, you know, at least half, half as much more to be able to get back in the market. So interesting. And, and I still can't fathom why 
you know, a builder would struggle in this marketplace. This is one of those fascinating stories that I can't wait for the details to come out through the fullness of time. Because when a developer has land, they've had it for a while. It takes a long time to buy the land, to get it, to get it zoned, get everything in place, to actually start building. So these weren't recent acquisitions of land. No. In a market like this, people are printing money basically through buying, flipping, selling real estate, cashing in on the equity they have if they live in the home for a while. It'd be interesting to find out what exactly happened there to, to bring it to this kind of uh, head point. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm hoping that our listeners will be able to tune into uh, House Money on BNN with you, and uh, maybe you'll do a follow-up to this, because I'm pretty sure as you know, light gets uh, shed on more of this, uh, we're going to get a look behind the curtains. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of interesting things. Actually, on next week's episode, we have the people from Terry on Warranty who will uh, guarantee part at least of the down payment. He has an interesting story about when they, they were watching Urban Court, when they started yep. to feel that things weren't going right. Yeah. So right now, uh, just for clarity, uh, Tarion would normally cover up to $40,000. for the freehold. Yeah, yeah for, for freehold. And uh, so if you've got $80,000 down, Tarion can step in in a situation like this and cover 40 of it. Uh, and then it's up to uh, obviously the group of buyers to go after them in some form of class action suit and try to chase down the money. So, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because people are just, they just want to buy a home. You, want, you need a place to live. Yeah. In the, in the end, you, you just want to hang your jacket up, sit down, have some dinner, enjoy yourself and yeah. enjoy your family. Yeah. No muss, no fuss. Um, so if you're going to predict, what do you think? 2017, where are we going with this market? 2017 in Vancouver, most of the smart money thinks that we're either in a cooling or even a 10% correction. Of course, the bears see 30, 40, 50%, the far end of the spectrum. Nobody thinks that Toronto has any catalyst right now to derail us in terms of the fundamentals. So does it become another government policy intervention? Does Ottawa have something up its sleeve about banks? Uh, That's the the wild card. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Are we going to be, is Toronto going to now be the next Manhattan, you know, New York, where it pretty much sustains itself. It's a, it's a market onto itself. And because we've got good employment here, you know, will it, will this just be the norm? Not necessarily the same increase, but the value, you know, can we look at a, a, a normal increase moving forward from here or will we see a decrease? And as you said, the bears are looking at it and saying, Hey, look, we could, we could turn around and have an adjustment of 30%. I think it'd be a little far fetched for Toronto to be looking at any kind of adjustment like that. I think what would take, it would be a, a big recession, a deep hole again, like two 2008, 2009, massive job losses because people want to stay in their homes and they will do what they can to pay that mortgage and stay in that home. They're not just going to walk away. They can't leave the keys in the mailbox in Ontario like they did in the States. So it would take a major economic downturn. And then we'd have a lot more wrong with this country than just the housing market. Yep. Excellent. So folks, if you want, you can uh, catch Greg's new show, House Money, on Tuesdays on BNN. And Greg, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure being here. Excellent. So that's it for for us here at Simply Real Estate. I want to thank uh, all my guests for joining me today, of course. And more importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in every single week. And Ian Grant, my producer, as always, thanks so much. He keeps me in line and keeps me informed. And as far as everything else, uh, you can always uh, reach me at thesimpleinvestor.com. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. And I'll talk to you next week at 4 p.m.